Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. We see in Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, uh, things that the church was doing. They were worshiping together in the temple. They were breaking bread together. They were meeting in homes. And those are things that we do as a church. Matter of fact, and I'm just going to plug it again very quickly because part of what we do with our connect groups is just that, is we are living out Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and 42, of breaking together, meeting in homes. We have the Atkins on uh, Monday night. We have a Living Free on two, uh, Monday and uh, uh, Free to Grow on Tuesday. We have the ladies group meet on Wednesday. We have young adults on Thursday. So we have groups meeting. I want to encourage you to plug in and be a part of one of those. But there is something else happening here is that there's, a, of course, there's something happening um, with God, but there's also something happening horizontally that there was favor with all people and the Lord added to their number daily. I think that's a I don't think that's like two separate statements. I think that works together. Our worship will impact lost people around us. I'm going to say that again. Our worship will impact lost people around us. And so um, let's just uh, uh, keep that in mind. But I, I was, uh, stay a while. That's just really what popped in my head. And the reason it came to me, this, this title was because of something I read, and I want to read that really quickly with you this morning. It says this, He had been looking forward to this moment all day long. After six days of labor, it finally arrived. Visiting day, the man with the keys arrived and swung open the large heavy doors. The cold gray hall sprang to life in a warm glow of light. He could hardly control his emotions. The families began to arrive as peers from the corner of the room longing for the first glimpse of his loved ones. He lives for the weekends. He lives for these visits as cars arrive. He watches intently. Then finally they arrive for whom he would do anything. They embrace, eat a light lunch, and reminisce how things used to be. At one point they break into singing and with interruptions of laughter and applause. But all too soon it's over. A tear comes to his eye as they depart. Then men with keys close the heavy doors. He hears the key turn and lock and the making of the end of marking the end of a special day. There he stands alone again. He knows that most of his visitors will not contact him again until next week. As the last car pulls away from the parking lot, Jesus retreats into loneliness as he waits till the next Sunday visiting day. Hello, wakey, wakey. <laughs> and so I, as, I was, as I read that, I, I was reminded of something, um, of just sayings that I know that I, that I've, I have uh, grown up with. And one of them was, I knew a guy I was, when I was pastoring in La Mesa, and there was a guy that I always say, he would say, uh, you know, we'd have, be at a, a get-together or whatever, and he'd say, you know, if I, he'd say, if I was at your house, I'd have, done, I'd, I'd have done gone home. When he was kind of ready for everybody to kind of leave or uh, I worked for a pastor that said all the time, come again when you can't stay so long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's kind of sometimes it seems like the attitude of a lot of 
churchgoers. That's what Sunday is. We pack everybody up in our cars and we get to church on Sunday and we visit Jesus for a little while. But there has to be more than just that with our connection to our Savior in worship. There has to be more in our connection with worship. And so that's what I want to talk to you. Just some simple things about worship. None of this is going to be like, uh, is probably not going to be like eye-opening. I think it's going to be a good encouragement and, uh, and reminder as we worship. And so we're kind of going to talk about it here a little bit in the New Testament and, and Revelation. We're going to be referring back to the Old Testament. But here, there's six things I want to talk to you about. Six things. And one is this. The first one is this, is that worship is fundamental. Worship is fundamental. It's the absolutely basic of who we are, who we are as believers, what we do as Christians. And those words in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 express just that, praising God, praising God, praising God, having favor with people. And, of course, we're, we're looking at the, the practices of the early church, if you read the previous scriptures, but vertically they were praising God, and horizontally they had favor with people. I, if you remember, Jesus told, I'm going to refer to this several times, but Jesus referred to the woman in Samaria, remember? I mean, the one, how he told her to worship is that you worship in spirit and truth. Worship is fundamental in being a believer. And so as we build on that, it's going to make a lot more sense because we all are all wired in different ways. We all worship in different ways. But the key, the foundation, is that we worship in spirit and truth. And so I want to look at this really quickly in, in Revelation chapter 4. That's kind of what I want to move into. And I'm going to give you like a, a short summation about uh, revelations for what's happening going into verse 8 and and quite simply very simply said there's a sea of glass there's uh, four crazy looking creatures living creatures and there's 24 elders and we get to verse 8 and it says this and the four living creatures each of them with six wings are full of eyes all all around and within and day and night they never cease to say holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne and who lives forever and ever, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. And so we see an example in Revelations 4 here of some of worship that's happening in heaven. And I just want to remind you very simply what worship means. Worship really comes from a word, what it originated as was worth-ship. And what that meant was is to ascribe worth to someone, value to someone. And here God is on the throne. He's at the center of everyone's attention as it should be. And John is immediately struck with God, that everyone notices he's the central being of interest. And I want to remind you that our world should revolve around him and not him around us. I mean, to really get the heart of worship, he's got to be the focal point. He's got to have 
our attention. And so here they are, they're worshiping. I mean, there's no mention of Peter there. There's no, uh, there's no family members. There's no pets, angels, saints. It's all the focus is going to God. And so worship is fundamental. Worship is fundamental. It's a foundation of who we are. And we know, I mean, worship is just not singing or, or singing together corporately, but it's also the way we live life. But I am talking this morning about how we express that worth to God. Because he is, he is above all. And so worship is fundamental. Um, number two is this, is that worship is intellectual. I really wish I thought, I could have think of a really fancier word. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know, <laughs> I, I, I struggled with that one. But worship is intellectual. And I, the reason I say this, well, I want to look in Revelations 4, 8. We just read it, but... Worship is intellectual. In Revelation 4, it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes around within. Day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and is and is to come. I think sometimes that when it comes to worship, you know, as I said, we, we all do worship differently. And, and uh, the years I got to travel, um, I got to see some very interesting um, ways that, that people worshipped. I'm sure being a Gideon, (laughs) you've seen interesting ways that people worship. And really it comes down to, it's that foundation again, is that we worship God in spirit and truth. And so when I say sometimes people have this frame of mind or this thought is that when we, if we get lost in worship, we have to, you know, do I have to be weird about it? You know, you, you really don't. You just have to be intentional about it. I want to say that again. You have to be intentional about your worship. That's what I mean about worship is intellectual. Maybe now that I say that, I should have said worship is intentional. It's an intellectual. But we worship God based on, listen, we worship God based on his character and his conduct. We worship God based on his character and what he does, his conduct. Not just his attributes, but also his activity. And so we know that God, he is, I mean, God, you know, the scripture says that God is love, right? And we know that scripture says that in in the New Testament. And what's powerful about that declaration, those three words, is that God is love, is that is, uh, that, that makes up his attributes, his character of who he is. And, of course, he also has other characteristics, that he is just, that he forgives, that he reconciles, that he um, judges. And so he is all of those things equally. If he was less in any area of his character, then he wouldn't be God. See, some of us, I, I know that maybe it's hard for some of us to admit, but some of us have some character chinks. We have some character flaws. God does not. He is equal in them all. And so we worship God for who he is, but it is okay to worship God for what he does. He he has saved us. He's provided. He's healed. He's redeemed. He's brought forth all of these promises. Worship is based on his character and his conduct. Revelations 4.11, worthy are you, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created. See, he did that. He created all things. God is worthy of our praise, our worship. He has done what no one else 
can do. I said, he has done what no else, no one else can do. And something that does, when we think about who God is and what God has done, it will shift, it will change our mindset. And as I've been thinking about this, it just more and more, um, I guess, you know, sometimes I didn't like, you know, I think, I think a, a powerful a promise in Scripture is Philippians 4.8. Now, if you've been in missionettes, if you grew up in missionettes, you know what Philippians 4.8 is. But, and maybe that's why I just really never dwelt on, because that's, that's the missionette verse. You know, that's not the Royal Ranger verse. That's the missionette verse. But uh, some of you that's been around for a while, you know what I'm talking about. We're running missionettes. But, I mean, when you really think about what Philippians 4.8 says, brothers, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any ex- excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, worthy of praise, think about these things. And if we will do that, if we will make a conscious decision to, to meditate, to think about the goodness of God, it gives us less time and energy to think about the other stuff. That kind of gets us all worked up and anxious. Are you with me this morning? So worship is intentional. Worship is intellectual. Number three is this, is that worship is physical. Worship is expressive. We see in Revelations 4.10, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. There's a, a lot of physical activity of worship in, Ro- in Revelations chapter 5 and verse 8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, a golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Worship is physical. I remember, I, you know, um, after I came to the Lord, I mean, really came to the Lord and, and started living my life for him. Um, you know, my generation, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I get to be Generation X, woohoo! But, uh, you know, there was really a shift that happened during worship when I was a young adult. And we saw, that's kind of more when we saw the, I guess, the new music coming in. And it's hard to believe that. I think about, shout, you may remember Shout to the Lord? Remember Shout to the Lord? It's hard, to, that song's old now. I mean, you know. But I, but my generation, we got, we really got criticized because we were expressive in worship. We jumped, we spun around, we did motions to songs. And, and my generation really got critiqued and criticized because, is, you know, is that the spirit? And I, my father-in-law, he said something. He was still um, district youth director at the time. And he said, what's more in the flesh, a, a student jumping down, being expressive in their worship to God, or sitting in the pew like this? What's, what's, more, what's more in the flesh? You see, worship is expressive. And we may all express that in different ways. But here we see that what's going on, they are awestruck in Revelations chapter 4 and chapter 5. And because they are full of awe at an awesome God, it, it brings out a physical response. It brings out a physical response. In, in Psalm 95, 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. 
And so, yes, we, and I understand, but I just want to remind you that we do raise our hands. That's our physical act of worship. It is okay to dance, whether it's in the spirit or you just want to jump up and down and move a little bit, which, to be honest, we could do a little more. To shout, to clap, to, to cry, to lay prostrate. I, you know, the thing is, I remember, my, when my, I miss when my kids were little. And I would come in from the door from being gone all day. And all three of them did this. And it was always awesome when the, all three of them were young and all three of them did it. But every single time I came home, them running up with their hands up. Daddy! Wanting that big hug from Dad. I can't help but think that's not the same way that God sees His children. In Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 17, one of my favorite verses. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. And those are powerful statements, but it also is this. He will rejoice over you with gladness. And if you don't know what that means, what that, I mean, literally what that means is, is that God throws his hands up and spins around wildly about you. That's what that word rejoice right there means. But then he also says he will quiet you by his love. Have you ever experienced that with God? That dark hour, that difficult moment. I mean, just like you would hold a child to comfort them, God does the same with us. He'll exalt over you with loud singing. In Psalm 95, it says, Come, let us worship and bow down and kneel before you. Psalm 149.3, Let them praise his name with dancing and make melody to him with the tambourine and the lyre. Lear. Uh, Psalm 135, Praise him, O you servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord. Worship is expressive. And I'm going to tell you, it does not matter here. I, the thing is... You know, I, I understand that if, if uh, I know some are reserved, you know what, and, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you, when you get in the presence of the king, I don't think we should be so reserved. That was amen, okay. Number four is this, it's musical, it's musical. Revelations 5, 8, we see, And we had taken the scroll, and the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down, each holding a harp. And golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And I kind of wanted to touch on this for a moment because we have many in our church who may be watching online, but we have many in my, our church that uh, come from a background where instruments are not allowed during worship. But I'm going to tell you, it is biblical and it is okay. Matter of fact, God commands us to worship with the instruments. And I know part of the foundation of that is that the Old Testament doesn't matter and so that they didn't do that in the New Testament. But I'm going to tell you, if it's going to happen in heaven, we should do it here. If, if it's going to happen at that moment, and I know maybe that uh, we're like, you know, okay, so we're going to have to listen to a harp for a bajillion years. That may not get you stoked. I, I think a harp can be very pretty. But uh, I thought it also interesting when it's talking here about this harp, the actual meaning is, it really what the kind of the definition is a trapezoidal stringed instrument. And so I've seen guitar shaped like a trapezoid. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think God's given them all to us. 
And uh, it was used when they moved the ark. There was instruments. Psalm 150, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Woo! So the next time you hear that cymbal crash, that's just praising God. Worship is what you make it. It's not up to the worship team. You see, I know sometimes, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm grateful for all of those that we have to serve on our worship team. And so many of you, so many have been ready on instant notice, and, and maybe some not so often, some often, but, you know, I, and I, I want to point this out, but, and I, I want those to really to ring, worship is what you make it. It's not up to the worship team. I, I took a, I'm, we went to a, a, a conference one time, and it was a, it was a large church. Um, this church runs well in excess, over 25,000. And if you've ever been, in, if you've ever been to a church with size, you know, they usually have got, you know, they've got recorded music. I mean, they, you know, I mean, it's really, we sing all of their songs pretty much, right? And, and, and they sound amazing, and and, but a guy came to me, he's like, I'm just really just discouraged. He's like, why doesn't our worship team sound like they do? And I was like, buddy, I was like, in a church that size, probably every single one of those musicians are paid full time by the church. And there is a difference between wonderful volunteers and paid um, musicians. Are you following me? And so when we come to a place of worship, I, you know, I'll never forget, I went to a church, I preached a revival, and I had to repent, and I, went, I, preached this, I was preaching this revival as an evangelist, and, and I went to this church, it was a church doing really well, and uh, uh, men worship started, and I mean, it, very few moments I was like, how am I going to worship to this? I mean, it, it was bad. <laughs> And I, I mean, the whole, you know, and I'm looking around and e- as I enter and in and worshiping and shouting, and I was like, I guess I'm, I'm missing something. And I had to do a heart check. And that's where it came to me. It's not about who's on the platform, it's about who I'm exalting, who I'm worshiping. And so if you feel like that worship isn't to the par what you think it should be, maybe we should do a heart check. Before we point to the platform. That's good preaching. So worship is musical. Worship is vocal. It's going to take you to be expressive in with your vocal cords. God has given us some wonderful instruments in these right here. Let's practice really quick. You want to practice? Just kind of this. Yeah. You know, that's worship to the Lord. We've all got we you don't have to do that in pitch. But I'm going to tell you, you've also got this, 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 this cor- these chords that you can vocally express your worship to God. And I'm, I'm kind of going to kind of throw our men under the bus right here. I mean, usually our ladies are really good about seeing. I'm going to tell you something, men. There is something about opening your lips and letting that air go through your vocal cords and to give glory to God. There is something significant about that. We worship with our vocal cords. We worship with our voices. And I know, I'm going to tell you, I say it all the time. I mean, I, I'm not going to be the one asked to do, the, the, to do a solo. 
I'm not going to ask to be, in, to be in a choir. But I still worship. I still sing, and I still sing loud, because I've decided that if God's going to give me this bad singing voice, I'm just going to give it back to him. Right? I mean, we just got to give it back to it. We got to give that. And, and, but the fact, the fact of the matter is, is that we are a choir here all together that we get to worship God with our voices. With our voices. You know, and also, I do want to just touch base just a moment, just very quickly, because you know what? I, I don't know if you realize this, but the. The arguing over style of worship has been happening for centuries. It's not a new thing. I know it's, it's new to a lot of us, and a lot of us have been through that. And, and I, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not a new thing. I, I read a story about a, a hymn writer, and I, I want to share that. Very, it just really caught me funny, and I think it's a powerful illustration. But it was the year 1690. The year 1690. And a young boy named Isaac came home from a church service and complained to his dad. And he told his dad, Dad, you know these songs at church? This is 1690. He said, Dad, these songs are really boring. His dad got mad and said, Well, if you think you can do better, why don't you write some? And so Isaac Watts wrote, When I Survey the Wonderful Cross, and he wrote, Joy to the World. There's always been a new song. There's always been a new song. When William Booth wanted to reach people, if you don't know who William Booth is, he's the founder of the Salvation Army, and he was a tremendous evangelist in England. And, uh, and he wanted to reach people with a band, but didn't want to use the church organ to do it. But he used trumpets, and he used drums. And matter of fact, the religious of his day, of William Booth's day, you know what they called that music that William Booth did? Devil music. Think about that. Or how about D.L. Moody, that, uh, who did crusades and, I mean, was a revivalist and... Him and his worship leader, I mean, they wrote new songs, and they put Christian lyrics to waltzes. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But hey, it worked for them. And he took his music all over Scotland, but Scotland was appalled. They called it, I don't quite understand this, but here's what they called that kind of music. They called it steam kettle music. I'm guessing that was a cut down back in the 1800s, but that's what they called it. Here's what we need to know, is that worship is always changing because we, you're right, God never changes. He's the same yesterday and today forever. But you know who does change? We do. Do you know who does, you know what else changes? Our circumstances. And whenever we face a new circumstance, God gives a talent to some songwriter to write a worship song on how God delivered them through that circumstance. Man, I, I think that's, I, I wrote this at three in the morning, so either you like it or you don't. You can blame either one. I don't know. Number six is this, and this is what I close with, is that worship is emotional. Real worship is passionate. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne 
and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering mid, uh, my, uh, somebody help me. Myriads, thank you. And myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and they worshiped. I, I've said this many times and it's, was to get to this point for this reason, these two things. Is that I know that we're all wired different. I mean, if you're, I know we've heard, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, analogies of different things. I mean, some people will say, you know, I'm not an emotional person. And I, I would argue that because all of us get passionate and emotional about something. And I know, I mean, we've all heard it. You've been in church any amount of time. You've heard it. You know, if you can shout at a, shout at a football game, surely, you know, you can shout for God, you know. And I, maybe you're not one that yells at the TV when your team scores. I am. I, I'm not ashamed of it. My, I'm sure my neighbors have wondered what's going on many times. And I, I, I know I come across maybe as a more passionate, I guess, person or, or expressive person. You're like, I'm just, I'm not that expressive we well, yeah, you know I'm not now there may be some in the house that are wired I mean everybody's wired different I mean you may not be wired in the way that um, I remember one time I was, I was at a I, I was preaching at a church and and I'm, I'm just worshiping I got my hands raised and you know kind of I have my eyes closed but kind of feel some commotion going on and I kind of open my eyes and there's a lady dressed like a ballerina, ballerine right there next to me. I'm at, I'm, you know, I'm not, so I'm not saying you got to go dance like a ballerina to be expressive to God. I think it's okay if you are. But you see, scripturally, it tells us there's many things how we can respond. It's not hyper-emotionalism to raise our hands. It's not hyper-emotionalism to feel overcome by the Spirit and lay down. It's not, it's not being too expressive to shout or to clap, to engage in some manner physically and spiritually to worship God. And there's something, you know, the first few years we were here, I would say all the time, I would say, you know, just don't, don't make fun of the way that I worship, and I won't, I won't make fun of you. And it was just a kind of a humorous way to say just worship in spirit and truth. I'm going to tell you, there are, there's, a, there's a shift that happens when you engage in worship with passion, with intensity. Do you hear me this morning? There is a shift that will happen because it's not going to depend upon what's on the platform. It's going to depend upon God. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.